0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com
1: slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
0: Hi, everyone. I am Martina Cunha, and you are listening to Backstage Talk. Hello and welcome back today. I am in the company of a performer that rose to stardom during the pandemic, if I may say. Um, And he's been working his butt off as a digital content creator for the last year. I am here with J.J. Neiman. Hey, J.J., how are you?
1: Hi, thank you for having me. I'm doing well. How are you?
0: I'm really good. Uh, I'm excited for this chat. I've I've been looking forward for this conversation for a long time. And um, the stars aligned, and I could make it. And we both could make it uh, today. So I'm really excited. Um, Hey, me too. I am going to let you introduce yourself for a bit before I start with all the Ratatouille questions I have to. Yes,
1: ask. yes, we love Ratatouille. Um, well, hi my name is JJ um, I am a Broadway actor in New York City um, I'm currently in North Carolina with my family but I'll be back in New York soon. It's been a weird year not being in the city all the time because it's expensive and uh <laughs> And also, I didn't have an apartment lease, so that's why I haven't been up there. But anyway, um, so yeah, I was—I uh, graduated from college in 2017. I went to Elon University in North Carolina, which has one of the best um, music theater programs in the country, if I do say so. I love my alma mater. Um, I'm very proud to have gone there. Um, and then, yeah, I graduated and joined Book of Mormon a few days after graduating college. It was like a very one of those Cinderella story whirlwind. Experiences. Um, I was a swing, so uh, covered seven roles in that, and I performed in Book of Mormon for two and a half years and on Broadway. So um, during that time, uh, also working on, you know, started teaching dance classes in the city, started working with the Broadway Collective, who I still coach with, um, and also was doing development and readings and workshops of a new musical called Bliss, which I most recently, that's the most recent live performance I got to do, uh, which was at the Fifth Avenue Theater in Seattle. Um, we did our world premiere and pre-Broadway tryout, hoping to come to New York when things open back up and and if they get a theater. Um but yeah, so that was the last thing I did last January and February of 2020. And then uh ever since then I've, you know, been in quarantine and content creating. Like you said was in ratatouille, uh teaching, all those kinds of things.
0: I just got to say, what is it with you guys from Elon that right after graduation are taking a plane to New York? Like a okay. couple of weeks ago, yes. um, I interviewed Jake David Smith
1: and yes. he he
0: had the same story. Like um, and I, I was having like my Italian literature finals uh, and got a callback for Mean Girls. But then also Disney Theatricals want me on an audition. And basically they moved my debut because I had graduation, like, what the <laughs> hell is going on with you guys at Elon? So
1: fierce! Wait, okay, wait. How do you know Jake? Did you know him before having him on the podcast?
0: Uh, no. I actually do a lot of network through Instagram and LinkedIn and Facebook. So I nice. basically, I basically contact him through um, Instagram. I was like, "Hey, you're at Disney Prince. I want you on my Literally. podcast." <laughs>
1: So crazy that you had him. So Jake and I went to school together for two years. He's two years below me. <laughs> and you want to know the gag is I was in his callback, I think his final callback for Frozen. I was in for the tour at the same time for a track that was going to be covering Olaf. Disclaimer I am so glad I didn't get it because I had to do, I made it all the way to the final like three and I had to do a puppeteering session, like literally was in the Olaf puppet in a studio. The carpal tunnel that I would have gotten, the arthritis in my wrist and hands, I literally was so sore for, like, days. I was like, there's no way that I could have done this. There's no way. The puppeteering, I have mad, mad respect for anyone who does that. But it was amazing because it was Jake's, one of his first callbacks in New York. And I got to be there with him. I think it was his first dance callback, and I'm a, a dancer first. And so I was, like, helping him out in the callback. And I was like, I got you. I got you. We're going to work on this. And, like, he freaking bucked it, and then started yeah pretty shortly after it, it's like one of those wonderful i love that like network and community um but yeah he had a very similar thing happen to him that i
0: did i i just love it like i mean i looked up for elon to when, when i was looking for colleges but mm-hmm. and and i really envy like deep bad envy feeling for everyone that went to Elon.
1: <laughs> it's a really special place for sure. I'm, I'm really fortunate. And it's only like three hours from where my family is. So that's kind of like how I heard about it was through other North Carolinians, mm-hmm. not realizing the caliber of a program it is. But yeah, it's wonderful.
0: All right. So how did he start in musical theater? <sighs>
1: So I kind of started, I mean, I always, literally, if you ask anybody, like m- anyone in my family, I was singing and dancing gibberish before I could walk or talk. I was somehow dancing before I could walk. Like, it was one of those kinds of kids that you're like, mm, that's, that's got to be a performer. Um, and I kind of have a lineage of it. Um, like, my grandparents and oddly enough, my uh, grandma, so my, my dad's mom, made him promise her that she would never let, that he would never let one of his kids go into show business because I think her grandma was like a Broadway dancer and had some, some rough experiences. And she was like, don't let any of your kids do it. It's a crazy industry. <laughs> and so I came along and he was like, Ooh, I don't know. I guess, you know. Um, and so basically my parents actually ran their own children's theater company back when I was like, in diapers Um, and I have three older sisters they're six eight ten years older than me and so they were all doing shows and I was in the playpen with a babysitter you know at the rehearsals Um, and they they only did that theater company for a few years but I was always surrounded by music and dance and they encouraged all of us to do shows and so as soon as I was old enough you had to be eight years old Um, and back where we lived in Annapolis, Maryland at the time, that's where I was born and, and grew up for the first 10 years of my life. And you had to be eight years old to do the children's theater shows there. So as soon as I turned eight, I auditioned for the show. I played, uh, I got cast as Avery, the bratty little brother in Charlotte's web, um, and did that show. And then we moved to North Carolina. And once we moved here, there were tons of, tons of community theaters, um, obviously the school schools do shows and stuff. So um, I literally was doing theater year round. I didn't really train that much. Like a lot of people go to camps or intensives. I didn't do any of that. I literally just did shows year round. And that's kind of how I learned my skills until I went to college.
0: That is awesome. Um, I'm not going to ask you how you got to Broadway because you just said that your story is very similar to Jake's. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it was Elon, <laughs> it was and told. we have
1: the same agent too. Actually, we're CGM. signed with the same agent. Yep. Mm-hmm. I
0: love them. I I don't know anyone there, but I I love them. Like they represent the best people in the business. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, you went to Elon, then you jumped directly to Book of Mormon as a swing. Mm-hmm. What are the pros and cons of being a swing? Because I find that. Under Studies or swings are the most difficult thing you can do in a in, in, in mm-hmm. a show. Like
1: mm-hmm.
0: no like memorizing seven to 13, 13 tracks, it's just <laughs> mind blowing for me. It's crazy. <laughs> I, I can barely do it with mine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, and like there's shows like six, the musical, that all of the swings or alternates, whatever you want to call them, offstage covers, they play all the leads. Like, they play all of them. Um, Yeah, people often say that swings are, like, the MVPs of a show or are the unsung heroes. Um, And a lot of times, honestly, not to toot my own horn as a swing, but a lot of times are the most talented people in the cast because they can play everything. And that's not to discount a lot of times the the kind of – Type and skill set and everything it takes to play a lead eight shows a week is its own skill set yeah. and and those kinds of people thrive like the people like I think of of course another Elon alum Barrett Wilbert Weed she is not the most versatile performer she is incredible but she is going to get the roles that are absolutely perfect for her and that is her. That is who she is, and she's made, carved a path for herself and rules for herself in the industry that no one else really can play and can mm-hmm. touch. Um, like Veronica and Heathers and, and Janice and Mean Girls, like she, those rules are her. You can't take her out of those rules. And so Swings, we are kind of more malleable, and that's something I've always kind of uh, – like prided myself in being is being someone who kind of can do everything. And people are always like, are you a stronger singer or a stronger dancer? And I'm like, I genuinely feel like I'm equal across the board. And so while there might not be a ton of place for me in movie musicals, because the dancers are lip syncing and the singers are not dancing and they're in the recording studios, that that's where it gets a little tricky. And I have a little saltiness about it, but on Broadway, that's where the triple threat, like you have to, be one to be a swing and a lot of times be an ensemble member cuz they're usually covering leads too. So the um the pros and cons I would say the pro is that it's incredibly satisfying and a, a gratifying thing to do and it keeps it really fresh because when you're in a show for two and a half years mama You need it to be spiced up. You need to get to go on for different roles. And like, it really does keep it so fun. You interact with different people. You're interacting with different dressers, doing different quick changes and features, singing different harmonies. For someone like me who loves that kind of a challenge, I loved that. The con is some days you don't want a challenge. Some days you're like, let me just step on stage and do my thing and like be comfortable and get to like not check out, never, never check out. But sometimes it's nice to just go on stage and know exactly what you're doing and not have to freak out. And you're just like, you get to feel like you're just one of everyone else. And so you get a taste of that as a swing when you're sometimes on for a role for one week or two weeks at a time and you have someone's on vacation and you're like, I know I'm getting to do the do this role for a whole week, it's the best feeling, because you're like, oh, I get to just, like, chill and, like, have fun and, like, do my thing. So, yeah.
0: I love it. Um, Talk to us a little bit about your experience as a swing in, in the Book of Mormon.
1: Well, being in a show that had been running for years at that point, I think it had been running for five years, five and a half years by the time I joined. So it was a well-oiled machine, which made it so easy to learn everything because the, the people, you know, the dance captain and the music director and everyone was so good at like teaching us everything. And it was very much like, this is what it is. And you just kind of fit into it. And I love clear guidelines. I love that. I also love being creative. But I love when someone's just like, this is exactly what you have to do. And there's no question about, like, what do I do here? Um, which creating new shows, swings who have to be in the room when you're creating a new show and everything's changing every day, that's harder, um, I think. But, um, yeah, I mean, being in the Book of Mormon was so fun. And also, because I had been running for so long, they were really lenient with... Giving people personal days, vacations, sick days. Um, and there were pros and cons to that because sometimes people had been in the show for years. So they were like, sometimes would just call in sick, like, you know, a half an hour before the show. And you're like, can you not do that? Because I would love to have a little more notice, please. Um, but also at the same time, it was great because I literally barely ever 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 a week went by a full eight show week went by where i wasn't on that probably only happened like two weeks out of like the two and a half years i was there
0: that is i was
1: on every week yeah
0: that is awesome i mean you and and besides all the thrill of covering things you, you just get to be on stage and as you said having a clear guideline about how to do things
1: oh yeah and uh It was also really nice also because sometimes, you know, you get paid pretty much the same to sit backstage. So some days, I mean, I got through every season of Drag Race during during my time there. I started from season one and I went all the way through and that became like, you know, and it's really fun because, you know, there's a lot of standbys and swings and stuff. So certain shows, we would all go to the standbys room and they had a projector there and we would stream like, do drag race viewings or watch movies or play card games. Like, it's really fun once you learn everything and you feel really comfortable that you could jump on at a moment's notice. It's really fun to get to, like, hang out with people backstage.
0: Awesome. So you... No, changing question right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you developed any new show since Book of Mormon? Yeah, Besides so-
1: Bliss was the only one, really, I mean, kind of ratatouille. I was a part of that. Um, but Bliss was the most, because I, yeah, I did a month-long development lab back in October of 2018. And then I did a reading of it in the following May and then got asked to do the, the Out of Town. So that, that was really fun because the choreographer of that, a lot of it was a little bit more, contemporary style and he does more classic Broadway. So he kind of relied on some of us who have a little bit more experience with hip hop and contemporary dance to fill in the blanks, Mm -hmm. honestly. And so that was really fun because a lot of my pieces of choreography that I worked on and us boys, we'd just be like, okay, let's go to the side and like learn a little A count and we'd show it to them and they'd be like, great. (laughs) So a lot of my choreo is in the show actually.
0: Awesome. That is great. So Ratatouille, you... Kind of originated a role in there, but let's get at the top of it. How did he end it up in Ratatouille?
1: So I was one of the people who definitely was like seeing the trend happening. I made a few videos, uh, like as soon as I heard that the whole chorale arrangement of the, the Ratatouille, you know, the one that Dan Mertz left the arranger, um, did for a as soon as i saw his video i was like oh my god i have to use this and make a video imagining rehearsing ratatouille the musical on broadway because i have made similar ones with like a version of wop by cardi b that was like a chorale one and same with um the me Pan, Su, Su, Su. like i love that TikTok just finds these sounds <laughs> and they're like make whole trends out of it that doesn't make any sense um But yeah, so I made some videos, became friends with Dan on social media because of that, and then when I saw that it was announced, that it was being turned into a whole concert, you know, a whole um, benefit, I uh, literally messaged him. And I was like, Hey, I would love to be a part of this. Um, let me know if you need any singers. And he was like, yes, we'd love to have you. Um, let me connect you with the music director boom connected. And so to anyone listening, always ask for what you want and always never be afraid of that as long as you're not being like cringy or it's out of place, don't be afraid to just say, Hey, I'm available. If you need anything, because you never know when they'll be like, yeah, we do. Um, and at the same time, actually, I was reached out to by the choreographer, Eleanor Scott. She slid into my DMS on Instagram and, uh, she's a TikTok creator as well. She had seen my videos. I actually auditioned for her several times in New York and have always loved her and her work. And so, yeah, she reached out to me and I was like, yeah, I would love to be a part of this. So that's how it happened, um, and kind of how it came to be.
0: That is great. And how was that, like process on how you were you were rehearsing online with people distancing, like uh... everyone in their own home?
1: Yeah. Oh, it was uh, <clears throat> it was chaos. Um, to be perfectly honest, I was like, are y'all sure y'all want to do this? And they said the date were like, January 1st, it's going to be streaming. And I was like, are y'all sure you want to, like, who decided this? Because not only, so they, a lot of it, like, was like a trickle down effect because when, you know, they only had four weeks total to put it together, but like two of those weeks were spent completely arranging and orchestrating. Then they had to get together the orchestra, put all of that together, write the script, then send us all of the information. So we were sent all the information on like the Sunday or Monday before Christmas. So it was like the 21st. We had, I had two Zoom uh, rehearsals. So I had one with the music team. They sent us the sheet music and they said, okay, so, uh, cut off on... Three here, cut off on four here. JJ, you take 10 or one, you know, uh, you take ten or two, like, da da, da 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 divvied up the solos, they were like, you take the solo, you take the solo, um, and we kind of, like, we were sent tracks, kind of, but we had to, like, plunk out our notes, so thank God I kind of know how to sight-read, and I was, like, plunking out my harmonies, I was like, I hope that I'm cutting off on the right time, and we literally recorded with our own mics on our own into, like, GarageBand, just like, raw audio, um, and that was it, I mean, like, that's basically, you know, and, and then we also had to film videos of us lip syncing and we had to send everything in. We had two days to send everything in. So it was due on the 23rd of December. Um, and yeah, a lot of times we had to record multiple vocal parts. So it was really weird because there was no way to like rehearse together. So we didn't know how it would sound us all together. Um, and then for the choreo, I had a zoom rehearsal, with the choreographer, they taught us everything in like an hour and a half. And then we had two days to send in all of our videos. They sent us the rat ears and chef's hats and they were like, all right, send in the videos. And we had to like, it, it was just very much like we were sending our own raw vocals and videos out into the ether and had no idea how it would come together, what it would look like. I mean, we were just like. I was, like, crossing my fingers and praying. I was, like, so nervous. When, when the debut night happened, I was, like, my heart was racing. I was, like, I hope that this is good. Like, I don't even know. And it ended up being really, really wonderful. My whole family, we watched it together. Um, yeah, it was great.
0: <laughs> so that's when they gave you that amazing belt solo it in in wasn't in the in the opening number or the closing number it was
1: the uh, the, the bows the mega mix at yeah. the
0: end yeah the, I loved it I remember streaming it too and I enjoyed it a lot and I, it was really fun because I didn't expect you being there and I remember watching it was well, like hey I've seen this dude over in my Instagram I don't know his name yeah and I, I don't know right at the at this particular moment I don't know who he is but I've seen him somewhere and yeah. then and then yeah well instagram exploded with all the reddit posts yeah um, yep that is that is awesome i mean it, it is a one in a life experience being part of mm-hmm. the first streaming we've we had since covid hit <clears throat> in the middle of a pandemic and like the stars aligned for it to be a revolutionary i think revolutionary um Show made out of social media.
1: Oh, yeah. And like the fact that it was the first crowdsourced musical ever, like yeah. it really just the moral of the story anyone can cook literally applies to this. It's literally like anyone can write a musical. Why not try? You can try, and there were people around the country working on this. There were people, 17-year-olds and people who don't have degrees in music, writing um, amazing, that somehow, like, was cohesive, like, somehow ended up being a cohesive work that's better than some of the stuff I hear in New York, no cap. Like, there is some crunchy, crunchy old people stuff happening in New York. Not that old people can't write musicals, but, like, a lot of it is dated. It's just uh, they don't take risks on new artists and new writers, and, and also, like we're seeing also during this time um, like a whole lot of like awareness with um, Broadway for racial justice and uh, we see you white American theater and like there is a race issue like as wonderful as theater is and as wonderful as Broadway is there is a race issue there are not enough opportunities given to marginalized voices and just just diverse voices so that you have people working on your shows and so I think that was amazing that all around there were risks being taken on Every in every corner with new up and coming artists all, all around the world. And it was just so cool. And I hope that it inspires people to be a little bit more creative moving forward and take chances on new people um, and also make theater more accessible to people who can't come to New York. I think we're gonna see a lot more of that. So I, I I'm so proud that I got to be part of a small, you know, snippet in in that that I think moving forward will make a big impact.
0: But trust me, I think that the Radadui being a a TikTok musical is a landmark and it's and it's a it it made a mark in musical theater history like yeah not not, not only because we're in the middle of a pandemic uh, but because all the other things you just said yeah and 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 people will look back to it like this was the start of a trend
1: yeah 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 and I think it's kind of a, something that might not be able to be replicated. I feel like people are going to try to replicate how it came to be, but like you can't force a trend. It just has to happen, and somehow this trend happened. So I can't wait to see what the next one is, though. Um, Bridgerton, obviously, is in its own realm because it's you know specific writers working on it, but seeing how that's taken off is so cool, too.
0: Yeah, yeah. And what, what I'm, I'm intrigued about is how will this change... When we are back in the theater, like when we can go physically to a theater, how will this social media stuff will impact new shows?
1: I I hope that it kind of works in tandem. I think they can both coexist because, like I said, a lot of people don't live in New York or have the means to, tr- to go to New York every single year and see shows. So I think shows will be smart moving forward to incorporate... Um, To incorporate social media more, we obviously saw TikTok strongly boosted the popularity of Six the Musical and Beetlejuice and truly changed the game. And I think we're seeing that. And now, you know, it can blow up a song like Driver's License by Olivia Rodrigo and blow up her song to being the number one stream song of the year because it was a TikTok trend. Like, it's just really cool to see that. So I think if shows don't utilize that. They're dumb, but also they have to they have to do it in a smart way. Um, and I, <clears throat> I, of course, hope as a content creator online and a Broadway actor that I'm able to somehow make it work that I can find a way to marry the two because I would love to help shows, you know, help boost shows and especially ones that I'm in. Um, and, you know, I've talked to some friends of mine who are also creators online and we're like, that's something that you'll need to get written into a contract because if people are coming to see a Broadway show because you have – a million followers on TikTok, that is a selling point and that should be worked into your contract in some way. It's improving your
0: marketing it. in the end.
1: Yes, for sure.
0: I wanna move a little bit into JJ the teacher. How long mm-hmm. have you been teaching dance or musical theater?
1: Well, I really started while I was at Elon, we do a lot of um student showcases student cabarets every year we have collage and grand night which are completely student directed uh music directed choreographed arranged everything and we put on like an hour and a half show of just various musical theater numbers and and all of it it's like the best night of the year it literally just happened the other night and they did a streaming one this year of course. but it was so good but i choreographed numbers for that at least like one to three numbers for that every single year so i Knew that I loved running rehearsals, loved choreographing, teaching, kind of in that realm. Um, and I got to dip my toes into that in, like, the summers between my semesters because I would work at, like, a children's theater here and there and, and teach a week-long camp or things like that. And then once I got to New York, started teaching my own dance classes, and that was really just to be, like, getting my friends to the, into the studio with me and just being like, hey, I choreographed this piece and I want to, like work on it and and have everyone learn it. Um, and I started doing those like once a month, once every other month. Um, and I called them jazzing with JJ. Um, so I can't wait to do that again, like in person. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then I started working with Broadway collective. I just saw that they were, uh, accepting applications for feedback coaches and Broadway collective operates mostly online actually. So it was actually set up for success already before the pandemic happened. Um, and I started kind of slowly working with them, just dance coaching here and there. Then I started mentoring and, and working for their summer camps and, basically having 10 students or so a week that I was accountable for. And they were like my students to always check in with and mentor them. Then I started working with their pre-screen program and working with students that were auditioning for colleges. And we were helping them professionally film and prepare for college auditions. So I was their dance coach and I've done that two years in a row now. So now I'm like pretty much, I'm not full-time employed with them because it definitely you know, it's just, it depends. It's like a week at a time sometimes, mm-hmm. but I'm really, really thankful to be consistently employed with them. I think they're a wonderful business. And um, because of kind of me having this platform on social media, Ratatouille kind of in a weird way bolstered that that even more because people kind of recognize me from something too if they hadn't seen me in a show before. And now I like am reached out to by all of these online virtual classes or programs. And I'm teaching my own, you know, students through Broadway plus and artists and beyond. There's all of these platforms through the pandemic that I've come about that you can coach one-on-one virtually. Um, I'm teaching master classes every single week of my own choreography or choreography that I've learned in New York and different Broadway shows. I'm literally teaching a Ratatouille tap workshop tomorrow. Like, yeah, there's always something every week that I'm doing and it's It literally fills me with so much joy, and I'm working with students all over the world. Like, literally, I taught a a class this past weekend, and I was with students in Latin America, and Europe, in the UK, in California, New York, Oregon, in Spain. Like, it was like Germany. It was amazing that I was working with people all over the world, and I was like, this is so cool, and if a pandemic hadn't happened, I don't know if these... Platforms would have existed or if they wouldn't have, would have happened this way and I think even when we get back to normal life they will still thrive and exist because it connects people that you wouldn't necessarily be connected with otherwise
0: yeah what's the best and the worst of being a teacher
1: oh um the best part I mean connecting with students and and, I, and that just brings me so much joy um and uh the worst part hmm I mean, honestly, I, I don't really have a worst part of teaching in general. It takes a lot of energy for sure. But I think the hardest thing is is doing online is sometimes with a dance class, it's just like you need to be with people in a dance studio being like hyping each other up and being like, yes, yes. And it is it is really hard to give specific dance corrections and adjustments over Zoom. It's just not the same thing. Um, so that it has been an adjustment. And there's pro, like I said, there's pros and cons to it.
0: Awesome. I I want to move on into JJ as the content creator. So when the pandemic hit, you basically moved a little bit into content creation over social media. What's your creative process?
1: My creative process is sometimes improv. <laughs> Honestly, I like, I keep a notes app on my phone of all of the ideas. Cause sometimes you will wake up at like 6am to go to the bathroom and you're like, wait, I have this amazing idea where like I had a dream about this and I need to write it down. Um, and I think all artists are like that in some way. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, to be honest, I was making videos when I was really young, like literally when I was in like fifth grade. Um, and I started YouTube channels. They were really crunchy videos, but I was making them. I was just like, my sisters would buy me wigs and we would play dress up all the time and they would buy me wigs so that I could make my videos and I would just make random skits and really silly things. And I stopped doing it kind of my junior year of high school because I just thought it was cringy. I was getting cyber bullied a little bit like people do the internet can be brutal and I was just not prepared for it. I was so closeted. I was at a private Christian high school. I was like, let me just take a step back and I got really busy. And when when you're in college doing musical theater, Mama, you have no time. So I really was like just, I didn't have time anymore, but I forgot how much I loved it. And I had learned all those editing skills and everything back then. And so once this pandemic happened and I started seeing TikTok and what the platform was, and I was like, this is really fun and really funny. And it just kind of like blossomed into like, I realized how much of a theater community there was on there. And I was like, maybe I should just start making videos and like, see what happens. Like I found my old wigs in my closet when I was cleaning out my room, I was back in my childhood bedroom. I was like, what's the worst thing that could happen? And then it kind of just slowly turned into what it is now. Um, And yeah, I mean, it really started taking off when I started doing those Broadway mic on off videos, those POV Broadway actor videos back in like August or September of last year.
0: And I love them. They're so funny. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I love your dancing videos, but your Broadway POV videos are just hilarious. (laughs) (laughs)
1: thank you i I think a lot of people also relate to them because it kind of like it peels back the curtain a little bit of the elusive elite to like broadway like and it's like no we're a bunch of goofballs or at least like the good ones are some people take themselves too seriously but i don't have time for that and i like to have fun and kiki and like how you know also for anyone who's done one show even in their life, at a school, you can still relate to that feeling of being backstage or on stage and like the kind of chaos that ensues. So I love making those.
0: I, I love them. Um, tricky question. Do you follow trends or start new ones? Ooh! Well, <laughs> because, you, you just, <laughs> you, because you just said that with Ratatouille, <laughs> you saw the trend starting and you jumped on it. <laughs> so, oh, gee.
1: Oh, fully, fully. I think you need to kind of continue using the app and watching things to keep up with it because sometimes like something like a trend happens and you see it and you're like, wait, I know the perfect thing to do to this and to put a spin on it. That makes it, I think that's the important thing. If you're only following trends and not putting your own uniqueness and spin on it, your video will not do well. I mean, maybe, maybe it will because it's a fluke. But in my experience, the things that do well are when you put your own creative, unique spin on it. That's kind of a twist. And people are like, oh my God, that's brilliant. Um, And so sometimes those things are hard to come by, but but just continue brainstorming and just putting it out there. Um, But yeah, I think with with some of the things, I do start the trends in the Broadway POV videos. I think I was the first person to really do anything like that.
0: Awesome. So for you what is creativity and how do you boost it and more in the in, in in the pandemic craziness in which like we felt that creativity has been cut short
1: yeah I mean I think a lot of people like myself like went through some you know depressing times and uh it still is hard like there are some really hard days where you're just like what am I doing? Like, where's my industry? And also why are people going to thousands of people are going to stadiums to watch football with no masks on, but I can't freaking do what I do for a living. And it just is like, the support for the arts has kind of been like a little non-existent when in a time where everyone is turning to artists, that's all we're doing is watching things and listening to music. And anyway, I can go on about that. I don't need to. Cause I know you get it. And everyone listening probably gets it too. Um, but creativity, I mean, it's different for everyone. And I think, um, you, I mean, for me, creativity is like creating things out of joy. You can also create things out of hardship too. And out of pain. That's also where we get like Adele and her albums, you know, like a lot of the great musicians, their, their creativity comes out of pain too so in a pandemic, in really hard times it's forcing us to look elsewhere or create our own joy, create our own you know, create what that is for ourselves um, and I think you know uh, trying to hold yourself back or hide your light under a bushel because you're worried about it being cringy or you're worried about someone not thinking it's funny or not good enough is the antithesis of what you should be doing because I spent so much of my life doing that and trying to cultivate an image for myself of like this is who I am and like okay well I might be gay but I'm not super I'm not super feminine or I might be like I might like theater but I don't want to be too outward liking theater because I don't want people to think I'm a nerd or, or a geek mm-hmm. for liking that. No mama, no, cut that out. And and I've been trying to teach myself that because the more that I put myself out there, I'm seeing that people respond well to authenticity and to what you think is funny and what, you, what brings you joy. Mm-hmm. And you don't need to worry about the people who don't get it or the people who won't like it or won't think it's funny. There are a lot of people who won't understand my theater content and won't think it's funny and that's not my business because it's not for them. <laughs> then they just won't follow me and it's fine. But there are a lot of people who will relate and will think it's funny. So don't bog yourself down and let the let the perfect be the enemy of the good and don't let um that fear prevent you from creating something and putting yourself out there because you never know what's gonna happen and who's gonna re- see it and respond to it.
0: I love it. That's the best advice. That was my next quest my next question <laughs> and you just answered it <laughs> <laughs> so what's coming next for you as a, as a creator
1: well um there are some like somewhat fun things um in the works i actually ended up uh during this time through social media uh signing with a manager in la so that is really exciting that i'm working with someone who's helping me with brand content and all those things and also starting to get me some tv and film uh, auditions, So I would love to, you know, live in L.A. at some point in my life. Um, I got a choreography gig this summer, so I'm going to be choreographing my first full musical um, in Montana. So uh, that's exciting as well. Um, and, yeah, I'm kind of just continuing to put myself out there and see what kind of happens um, and continuing doing my teaching uh, I really would love to be back in New York though and, and kind of in, in a studio creating again with people. So I'm excited at least this summer that I'm going to get four or five weeks of getting to teach and choreograph and safely be with other humans. Um, yeah, I'm really excited for that.
0: I love it. I love it. And I'm, I'm, I'm a bit envious about it because you, I mean, you're, you have a lot of jobs and you have a lot of work in front of you. So that's great. And I love it. Um, Thank you. So before we go, where can people find you, find more about you, look at your content or book a class or just get in touch with you?
1: Totally. Um, well, yeah, so my social media is at JJ Neiman, N I E M A N N. Um, that's my, uh, tick and Instagram on my link tree on those, uh, socials. You can find the links to book one-on-one sessions or coachings with me. And I'm pretty good at posting on my Instagram stories whenever I'm doing, uh, master classes or workshops um, and then yeah you can uh, find my website is my name as well jjneiman.com and you can contact me on a form there if you are interested in anything or just want some advice um, I'm always available and I, I try to be good about responding to dms and responding to questions so yeah that's that
0: I love it okay surprise questions before we go okay okay I'm excited. first one ballet tap or jazz jazz Okay, so you're, yeah, of course. Jazz with JJ. Jazzing
1: with JJ. <laughs> Jazzing yeah, <with> <laughs>
0: um, Stephen Sondheim or Andrew Lloyd Webber?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can say neither.
1: <laughs> God, am I going to get butchered if I say neither? I know people are obsessed with both of them, and I just am not... I am like, give me a newsies, give me hairspray. I am not like Sondheim's musicals are a little too patter song, singer, actor, storyteller for me. But I would have to say Sondheim. I do prefer his works better, probably. So
0: <laughs> you're more a contemporary guy than a classic guy.
1: I am. That is true. Yeah, and, and Andrew Lloyd Webber has some weird things out there. I'm sorry, he did Cats, so I can't say Andrew Lloyd Webber. My friend is wacky. He's a genius, but a wacky genius. <laughs> I agree with you.
0: I totally agree. Okay, last question. Top five favorite musical theater shows?
1: Ooh, top five. Okay, I have to say Hairspray is my favorite. Uh, Newsies is, is one of the ones I saw that was like, I saw it. I was like, I have to do musical theater. Um, Hamilton, I think is a perfect show. Um, it's a masterpiece. Um, oh gosh, I try to not go towards like the heavy ones. I just like, I don't know. I'm an escapist kind of person. Uh, but I love, I really loved the prom and the prom movie. Um, so I would say that, even though it has its flaws, love that. Um, and woo, in the heights, in the heights for sure. I cannot wait for the movie. Oh my god, it is such an underrated musical. It is so good.
0: I love it. I love it. And I'm really excited about the movie coming on on June this year. So
1: I'm Yeah, I about cried it. watching the trailer. So I was like, game over, game over.
0: Same. And and what I love is that like the original Broadway cast recording has the traditional, traditional, quote unquote, um, Broadway sound with mm-hmm. hip hop and Latin music. But mm-hmm. on the trailers, you can listen to like a revamped pop sound of the, of of the, of the, of the, um, of the score. And I like it. It's yes. like, mm, this is going to be uh-huh. a hit. <laughs>
1: people are also like so many people do not know the show well just because like it it was on broadway like nine years ago or so um and it was before lin-manuel had the name he has now so i think people are gonna be so shook and not know what to expect and i'm so excited
0: yeah i love it well jj thank you so much for being here it's been a pleasure
1: thank you so much for having me and for some wonderful questions you are so sweet and um this has been such a blast See ya.
0: Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of Backstage Talk. Remember to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Backstage Talk Podcast.
1: 18 plus.